The Athletic. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Coming up, Brum clip the Seagulls' wings. Can the Lionesses unite to beat the States? And England's first win capped off 50 years later. It's Lindsay Hooper here, and with me today, it's former Lioness Laura Bassett. Hello, Bass. Long time no see. I know. Hiya, Lindsay. I've not quite got used to no K either, because you're a double act. You're the, you're the female Anton Deck, so... <laughs> We but haven't you know, chosen a side, though. There's no left or right, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're doing a fantastic job. So, but yeah, it's still still a little strange. Oh, she'll love hearing that. You've probably boosted her ego <laughs> for the rest of the week now. Uh, we've also got the Athletic Women's Football reporter, Charlotte Harper, with us. Charlotte, how's your week been? And did you get the PSG story filed, sealed and delivered? Yes, but TBC. It, it will come out at some point. Just a, a few little tweaks to make and lawyers to go to but it, it will get there the story that keeps on going I wasn't going to say giving keeps on going um well I hope you both had a lovely weekend we saw the London Marathon opened by Leah Williamson Ellen White and Jill Scott those lionesses bass they're getting everywhere aren't they yeah it's brilliant to see you know they're having a fantastic time and two right and then we've got the the game on Friday to look forward to so yeah it's going to be amazing over the weekend, Black History Month also started, so we are kicking things off with a shout out to the amazing black women in football. Uh, Laura and Charlotte, who do you think deserves a special mention on that front and why? And it can be on, off the pitch, present, past. I'll go first then. So my shout out is to Haley Bennett. Uh, Haley's a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant and campaigner, and she incre- uh, creates inclusive working spaces uh, she's the co-founder of nutmegs uh, it's a football community for women and non-binary people of color and they create inclusive spaces for women to feel safe consuming football so they do various game meetups and uh, are getting involved with grassroots clubs as well so shout out to Haley bennett mine's steph samuels um i used to play with Seth. unfortunately she's not with us anymore um, I think you remember her, Lindsay when she played yeah. for Birmingham she was my club captain um, and just a player and a person that left like everyone that she met she left a footprint a legacy on and and even now I've done loads of interviews and say that you know in different situations in my life both in football and out of football it's like I always look back to what would Steph do because she was just a beacon of light an infectious personality and she really did leave um, a footprint on everybody's lives so sadly she's no longer with us but yeah what what a player on and what a leader she was for Birmingham. I'm going to go for a friend of the show, Anita Asante. I, I think because I'm in awe of Anita Bass from the t- points of view of not only what she's achieved on the pitch, but she's clearly now in the coaching setup at Bristol and has a lot she wants to achieve off the pitch. But it's the voice as well that she's often given. And what what we want is to be outspoken about issues, don't we? And she's using that platform whenever she can to address issues and has done for many years. So uh, big up. Anita Asante too. Um, If you are listening at home and you have someone else in mind uh, for Black History Month, we would love you to get in touch with us on Twitter. It's at The Athletic UK and at Offside Rule Pod with your nominations and why. Uh, We'll give a few more mentions throughout the month. Uh, Right now, though, to the weekend's action as the Continental League Cup kicked off. Into the box. Real opportunity for Quinn. And it's in. Birmingham restore their two-goal cushion. Lucy Quinn on hand. Well, the big upset here in the first round of the Conti Cup came from recently relegated Birmingham, who beat WSL side Brighton 3-2. I can already see that Bass is lighting up the screen. We're talking about her <laughs> former Birmingham side. Uh, Dan Carter scored a penalty for the Seagulls late on to add to League One Min's goal, but the Blues were already too far ahead. And that was thanks to goals from Libby Smith, Jade Pennock and Lucy Quinn. So I guess not only just on this game, Bass, but looking at your former side now, they're six in the championship after being relegated from WSL last season. Do you think they already look like a WSL worthy side to get promotion back or go on and have a really good run in one of these competitions for a cup? 
Yeah, I mean, firstly, the championship is a really difficult league, isn't it? But I think they've, you know, with the experience that they have, the young players that they have, um, and the leaders in Darren Carter, complemented by Joe Potter now, who knows the club um, and knows the league very well, their focus will be on trying to bounce back up and get back into the into the top league, into the WSL. But what I think also, if I look at Blues, they've been through a transition the last couple of years because they've had to be so defensive-minded, so deep, so disciplined, so, like I say, defensive as a unit to try and stop conceding goals. I think they're going through a transition now where they need to score goals. So yesterday was a huge result for them, you know, to go out, play their attacking style, to score three goals, three good goals against a WSL side. In, and, you know, Brighton can be a thorn in anyone's side on their given day. I think would have been huge confidence and, and you know, Brighton had a good side out, very strong side. So I think they would be to take huge confidence now into the championship, into the league campaign and, and know that they can score goals and go and really attack teams. It's interesting what you mentioned there about this shift from from constantly being defensive to being potentially more expressive. Because the other question I was going to ask you here, the few games that I've dipped into on FA Player in the Championship, Lucy Quinn is like a different player. I hardly saw her in WSL last season. I didn't really feel that she ever was really that present in matches. And suddenly there she is. So I'm thinking, is this a player that in the championship, we have those players throughout football that they find their league that suits them and they're just always going to be bossing it? Or is it because of this change that they're not so defensive minded that players like that can shine? Yeah, I mean, she's an attacking talent industry and a very good one at that. And attacking players, they want the ball. So if you starve with the ball and then they only get their few moments in the game, it's it's a lot of pressure because as an attacking player, you know you have to produce something. You know you have to, you know, try and set an, uh, an attack, assist or score a goal. So it's a lot of pressure. So like you say, sometimes when you step down a league and you get more of the ball, you can be more express- expressive, expansive, and you get more chances the confidence, the consistency is going to come. So it is, we've seen, I think Libby Smith is, is a real danger for Birmingham. I think Siobhan Wilson has really settled into the side and adding a different dimension. And then we've got the stalwarts, haven't we, of Harriet Scott, Lucy Quinn, um, Louise Quinn, you know, that are really kind of steadying the ship and add a more, you know, level-headed to the game and a bit more balanced. So really exciting, um, but a huge yeah. result for them yesterday. It is. It's exciting times for them and for the fans who probably, you know, instead of fending off relegation for one season, want to go, well, what can we do in these competitions? Contrary to that, though, we bring up Brighton. And for many seasons, I've thought they're just inconsistent. And they can be, and this is producer Sophie's word that's in the script, which I'm going to pluck out, erratic. As you played under Hope Palbas, I just wonder, she will have evolved as a coach, obviously, since you played for her. But I I wonder with this Brighton team, whether sometimes it stinks of they have this role that they have to, that they've trained relentlessly all week. They know their role. And then sometimes opposition propose a different question than the one that you're anticipating. And whether there's much deviation for, from what the the preparation has been, whether they can do that within matches. Yeah, potentially. And I think also they're, they're playing a different style, aren't they? Playing three at the back, some hybrid roles and, and Victoria Williams had licence to go into midfield. I think losing Maya Letizia as a defensive stability for that team was huge and they have lost other players as well. And I think if you look at their journey, what I would have liked to have seen Brighton, I think on the first day of the season against Arsenal, you know, getting a player sent off, they were very much up against it, weren't they? But beating Reading, you know, if they could have beat Birmingham yesterday, back-to-back wins is huge Although it's in a cup competition and league, I just think for the confidence, momentum is huge in, in women's football. I think if they could have got back-to-back win, then they go into the league campaign against Manchester United. What That would have given them a big boost as a group. But yet, mm. like you say, erratic or inconsistent, we don't know which Brighton are going to show up. You know, I yeah. think they're back to square one all the time. Another one that we might not have predicted, Aston Villa beating Manchester United 4-3 on penalties. They've now conquered the whole of Manchester, red and blue, both sides, just over three games played. Maz Pacheco got the winning penalty after Rachel Daly cancelled out Nikita Paris's early goal. For for reasons of transparency and full disclosure, we should say that Laura Bassett's recording this at home. What room is Mark in right now in the house? What? My computer technician. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. He's not in my room. He's not. You I can don't know speak freely, can you? Okay, <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, how much importance do you think he's given this result? 
Is he that bothered? Basically, is my question. Is he that bothered? Oh yeah, I think I think him and Manchester United they're going to every game to win. I think both teams did make changes. Man United did make nine changes, and I think Continental Cup it's 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 that strange one, isn't it? Some some teams are like right, full focus. We have to win every game. It's a chance to get confidence, get another win, and then other other teams are like we have to play the depth. If you have if you have a squad, if you have depth of players, you have to keep them fit, get them match fit, get them minutes. So I think Manchester United did do that, um, and then but then if you are going to make nine changes, comes that little bit of lack of chemistry, cohesion. Um, but it was a good game. It was very, it was feisty. It was end to end. Both teams had good chances. Um, I think Aston Villa made four changes. One was for force. Was obviously Kirsty Hansen couldn't play against the uh, parent club. But no, really, really competitive. I thought there was good performances from from both sets of players. Um, and elite, I think. For Aston Villa needs a, a, a good mention. Um, Rachel Daly got, mentioned her in her interview. Yeah, she got yeah she got that. Yeah, nod. well, I think I think what Manchester United will be disappointed in. They were leading in the game. They're one 0 up to allow Aston Villa to to get back into the game is disappointing. And then they were leading in the penalties. And again, a, a huge learning curves there. You know, you just don't need, you need to let teams back in. But yeah, we, I mean, throughout the content, we saw some wild penalty shootouts, didn't we? Either a lot of misses, good saves, and then uh, the West Ham game. Seven, wasn't it? Seven. Well, in, yeah, in oh. that game. And then the West Ham, London City Lionesses was 19 penalty, you know, just crazy. So yeah, um, I think a lot, I was at the game and a lot of fans at the Manchester United Aston Villa got up to leave at 90 minutes. It was like, oh, right, yeah, continental uh, fixtures, the rules and regulations, right, sit down, penalty shoot. I think everyone forgot it had been that long since the, we'd played a Continental Cup fixture. So it was very amusing mm. when everyone got up to leave. It does feel like the mission at Manchester United and the agenda for Mark is certainly league focused. And you can understand that, you know, he's asking his players to step up when they get that opportunity in these cup games. But you do feel that there's something there for them in the league at the moment. I don't blame him keeping his focus on that. Charlotte Villa. They have been the team that have surprised so far. I think we all know what Carla Ward's capabilities are. She brings in Rachel Daly, plays her as a striker. Rachel Daly's the one that seems to be getting all the goals and all of the headlines to start this season. She pops up again here. Is it just the Rachel Daly factor or is there much more to this Villa project? I think Rachel Daly makes a huge difference. You know, Villa needed that number nine last year and and she's come into that position and been so clinical and yeah <laughs> shown England because she was playing over in the US her striking capabilities but you know you look at Aston Villa's core as well someone like Kenza Darley who can really boss that midfield and then Anna Leet coming in not Hannah Hampton in goal and performing that penalty shootout I was listening to an interview by uh, Carla Ward from Girls on the Ball and she's gutted that the international break has come at this point because, you know, Villa on such a roll and as we were talking earlier about momentum, it's hard to pick that up after the international break. I'm going to put a pin in the Annalite Hannah Hampton quandary because only to say that Carla Ward really backed Hannah Hampton at one point and Annalise's given us something to think about now we'll put a pin in that one we're going to revisit it on another show something to say about Villa they were wearing white shorts now across Birmingham uh, you might have seen the news last week that West Brom announced they will be replacing white shorts for navy ones because of concerns about wearing white whilst women are on their periods this is an issue that Beth Mead raised didn't she at the Euros so we've seen clubs starting to change it do we think it could go across the board or is this just going to be certain clubs Bass? Well I certainly hope that all clubs have the conversation with players Um, I think to be honest having been a player having spoken to a lot of friends I think that it means a lot to to the whole when I was playing the whole cycling short double pants cycling shorts constantly asking friends you know am I okay am I shorts okay you know that that just needs to be a stress that is eradicated Mm. Um, so it's brilliant to hear that news I think a lot of clubs are having the conversation and making action whether they're putting it out to the media is a different thing but I don't really care as long as it's being done and the players are having a voice and having a big part in in what colour shorts they play in. In other games in the Conti Cup, Spurs bounce back from their North London derby defeat with a 2-1 win over Reading. Uh, West Ham scraped through against London City Lionesses in this game that Bass alluded to with all these penalties. It was <laughs> thanks to a late equaliser from captain Danny Brignard's de Tia, who is just 
sublime for West Ham. I'm more and more impressed by her every time I see her. And that was a big 10-9 win on penalties. <laughs> if you're going to take the time out for the FA player to go and watch those ones back, make sure you've got a nice, long, big mug <laughs> full of cup of tea for that one. That's after the Hammers lost 3-1 to Chelsea in WSL midweek. Something I suppose we should point out that they'd had more fixtures than those around them. Uh, Leicester City as well also lost to Everton 1-0 after a late own goal. Uh, that brings you up to speed there. Chelsea and Arsenal, both of you, they weren't in the opening Conti Cup round. For anyone who's wondering why, it's because they're in the Champions league uh, despite the goals being too small and the confusion over concussion substitutes oh my god how many talking points from this match for Arsenal <laughs> uh, they did make it through to the group stages Jonas Eideval's side by beating Ajax 3-2 on aggregate and now the Champions League groups have been decided it's hot off the press we get to react on this very show uh, so what we can see is Chelsea are in group A both of you they've got PSG Real Madrid and Velasnia, new one for me. I had to do a bit of research on that. Velasnia. <laughs> Have you played Velasnia before, Bas? No, and I've never been to Albania. So very interesting. There you are. Um, Arsenal are in Group C with holders Leon, Juventus and Zurich. Know all of those. Last year's runners-up Barcelona have been drawn in Group D with Bayern Munich. And then Wolfsburg are in Group B. The top two from each group go through to the quarterfinals, if you're wondering about structure there. Uh, Bass, what was your reaction then to this? Who's got the toughest draw, in your opinion, Arsenal or Chelsea? Oh, I think... I think Chelsea, I think. But both of them have got really tough draws. I think the only reason I say that is because I think that Arsenal can beat Juventus and Zurich, especially with uh, Hurtick obviously coming from Juventus to Arsenal. So, you know, their best centre forward, really, in my opinion, um, now in the Arsenal ranks. I think Group B with the Wolfsburg, that I would have loved to have been in, would have liked the English teams to have been in that group. I think that's by far the easiest group. But I think both, yeah, I think Chelsea with PSG and Real Madrid. The Caroline Weir's Real Madrid at the, at the minute, isn't it? Um, with how she's performing and the goals she's scored. Arsenal have got such a tough draw. Like looking down at that, Leon eight times champions, and then Joe Montemuro from Juventus back against his former club Arsenal. Uh, well, all those group games to look forward to starting in mid October. But now it's off with the club shirts, and we're going to get put on our international kits. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. The Lionesses are coming back to a sold-out Wembley, the scene of the Euros. I'm not going to call it a crime. It was a dream come true. On Friday, it's the European champions versus the world champions. That's how we're billing it. As England take on the USA for a true test ahead of next year's World Cup. Joining us to chat about this one is our colleague from across the pond. It's Meg Linehan, the Athletics US soccer reporter. Meg, thank you very much for joining myself, Charlotte and Bass. How tough a test do you think England can expect for this one? Because it's our signal as to whether we can win the World Cup or not, basically. <laughs> There's no pressure for either team here. What's really like... It's just such a an interesting game, I think, from both sides where I think England are, are legitimately putting a lot of pressure on themselves to, to come up with a win. And I think what is interesting is that there's already kind of like expectation management happening over here in the U.S. Vlako Andonovsky opened up his press conference which, with a quote that I thought was just so fascinating of, I wish that we could put the result aside for this because... What's really interesting is this is the biggest game that this team has played in this calendar year by a, by a lot. And they, they played Canada in the final at CONCACAF W Championship. But these are two teams in like two very different mental states, like in the in the cycle itself, right? Like England coming off of Euros, U.S. going through W Championship qualification. It's just two very different vibes. Is he spooked, <laughs> Meg? It sounds like he's spooked. I don't know if he's spooked, but I think it is a sense of we don't need to be in the same place. Like we're not coming off the same kind of tournament as the Euros. And I think that's kind of the part of it's it's not spooked, but I think it is like I don't think we're going to be in the same state of readiness that England is. And also this team is not spent the same kind of time together that I think we usually see heading in to World Cup. So I think that there is kind of a sense of if there's a loss, then 
I think it would be expected. I'll put it that way. I do think the other interesting quote is where he said, you know, no one's going to remember if we lose this game, but then go on to win the World Cup. And I was like, sir, I I disagree fundamentally because we all still talk about the U.S. going to France at the start of 2019 and losing that game and that game actually being really instructive for the team going on to win the World Cup. So you can't say if they lose to England that no one's going to remember. Everybody's going to remember it like 100%, but it could turn out to be kind of a useful thing in the long run but oh that's an interesting twist on it isn't it if, I, i'm gonna go to bass here meg because hearing what you were saying there as a former england international what do you think are you right we're right up for this then that's it now get them here <laughs> i'm look I, I've bring got back concord of- let's get them over right now <laughs> Meg, Meg, I think Meg, you're a fantastic writer, and I've got a lot of respect for your opinions. But there's a there's a few too many excuses. And look, you guys are number one in the world. Yeah. Like I, I'm not I'm saying not, it's but, an excuse, yeah, but yeah, yeah, no. And I, I know you're only reporting what what um, Blacko said, but also like just coming off the NWSL season, these girls are match fit. Whereas I think you know we're still trying to recover from the Euros. Some are playing a lot of minutes. Some aren't playing for their team. Some are still. I think carrying injuries, but yeah, I, I just think, I, th- I think, you know, USA will miss Alex Morgan. I think that's huge. Taylor Corniak's out the squad, isn't she? Although she's not merely a main starter. I think Alex Morgan, the season that she's just come off the back of, you know, and, and I think a lot of the squad are looking ahead to the playoffs, aren't they? Um, I'm smiling so yeah, here, really... I'm, I'm thinking, is this an excuse off? Is that what we're in? No, 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 no. No, th- look, I, I do, I do understand. I do think these two squads are in completely different but I do think that, you know, we haven't faced, it feels like we haven't faced it. I feel like there was a time when we were facing each other all the time and we were getting closer and you couldn't call it. And now because we haven't played each other, I don't know, when was the last time you were probably off the top of your head? Um, well, Paul, 2019. Yeah, yeah. But, and, the, and look at the transformation in, in squads and players. So it is, it is that unknown. But yeah, look, this is a huge game. 87,000 sellout, Wembley will be, will be ready. Right. We've had the American journalist. We've had the former England international. The fan. Let's bring in in the English journalist. Um, Is there something of a mental factor here, Charlotte? The fact that Serena Wiegmann, when she was managing the Netherlands, they lost to the United States in the last World Cup final. So although this is a friendly, if she loses this against USA on Friday. Is there something that starts to fester and emerge here that Serena Wiegmann can't beat USA? No. (laughs) I I don't think Serena Wiegmann will be thinking like that at all. Like she's a woman with meticulous planning and I don't think that will get into her heads. I think for the players and Bass will have her voice on that. If they win against the, the US, then that's a huge mental boost. Because, mm. you know, e- even from the outside, y- you've looked at the US for so long as the powerhouses. And, uh, Meg, we were talking about this. I can't remember the last time that England won against the US. So it was a two-all draw in 2019, I think. But as we just alluded to it, it's been a long time since we played each other. So regarding Wiegmann, she's got her team. She has her plan. And... If they don't lose, it's not panic by no means at all. I'm going to get Meg's opinion on one of our players, a player that she knows very well because she will have reported on her over in the States so many times, Rachel Daly. Now, you might be aware, Meg, if you've done your homework on the start of the WSL season here, that she's she's scoring goals for Aston Villa. But of course, when she plays for England, she plays in this left-back role. Is that a conundrum that you guys over there just cannot get your head around? No, because we see it all the time with players here where we're annoyed <laughs> because they get stuck on the back line. So we're very used to that kind of, we really wish that this attacking player was not playing as a wingback or whatever it is. Crystal Dunn is kind of like number one in that complaint list on on our side. But I think Rachel Daly is such an interesting player just in terms of, you know, she, I think, was the Houston Dash for a really long time, basically. And so it has been really interesting from from my point of view of seeing Houston Dash pre and post her departure. It's the first time they've ever made the playoffs in the NWSL. But for her, I think, to go back to England and, and find 
you know, success at, at Aston Villa kind of like right off the bat, I think is really interesting because, you know, NWSL, I think does have a rep as being transitional and super physical. And I think Rachel Daly has really learned a lot <laughs> in terms of playing in that league. And I think, you know, I think we've seen it with Katie Stengel playing at Liverpool. Like there is a certain element to that game that translates itself well <laughs> to coming into WSL and then just being like, excuse me, thank you, I will be scoring goals. (laughs) (laughs) Can we also get from you to form US players? Because there'll be a lot of people listening to this that because we haven't played USA for a while, Mm -hmm. it will have been going on in the background. They might not have been keeping up. Who are two real form players for United States at the moment? I mean, I think, so to your point, Alex Morgan missing, right? Now I think you're looking at Sophia Smith and Mallory Pugh on that forward line. And and that's been the preferred starting three basically all year, right? Of Alex Morgan, Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith. And the big question for us from the US is like, what happens when Katerina Macario comes back from her ACL tear, but we're kicking that can down the line for a bit. <laughs> but either way, Sophia Smith and Mallory Pugh are in the system no matter what. And they have both been extremely in form in the NWL scoring goals, Sophia Smith has 14. That's a new franchise record in Portland. Mal Pugh has 11 and six assists. So she's also setting up her teammates in Chicago. And those are the two players that if you can get them going against England and and they find space, then I think we might be having a different conversation on the backside of this game. Charlotte, what was your reaction to Serena's selection? So her squad decisions included, so Frank Kirby and Chloe Kelly back in after Knox. No Steph Horton, Jordan Nobbs, nor Lotta Wubin-Moy, Beth England, Nikita Paris, or Hannah Hampton. So there is a chance for a few first caps in this one. Yeah, I mean, Wubin-Moy, England, Paris, they just haven't had game time. They haven't had the opportunities to impress. And I was quite surprised, actually, of, of how much kind of uh, how many new faces were in there, especially with Jess Park, you know, I mean, she had one great game for Everton and really shone. No Maya Letizia, Vigman said, you know, her job's defending and, and the build-up. And even though she's got her goals, that, that's not going to be her job necessarily in, in the England team. Lucy Parker, interesting choice. I was quite surprised that, you know, Anna Patton wasn't chosen over her. But I suppose Vigman's looking ahead. You have to give these players experience at camp, experience among the squad in order to look ahead to World Cup Olympics Euro 2025 it's it's a, a cycle it's not just for the game against USA and Czech Republic we'll give the last word to Bass where can <laughs> England win this in your opinion I think I respect American's back line um, I know Sevilla Huerta has been playing at right back I'm not fully convinced I think she's a good league player she's been used to playing in the attacking positions but as a right back I think I think she can be exploited and I think we can get at the two centre-backs and really overload. I think Emily Fox at left-back, I think she's very accomplished. I think will Beth Mead, I can't wait to see that battle, Beth Mead up against uh, Emily Fox. That'll be something, a defender that Beth Mead won't have um, challenged yet. I think that'll really be a real good battle. But I think down that, I think if Sophia Huerta um, plays, I think we can really exploit that with Lauren Hemp and... Yeah, whoever whoever the left back is, we don't know. I think that's up for grabs, isn't it? After seeing the the last team selection, so but yeah, down the the wide areas as as that's what England do. That's what we do best. And Meg, before we say goodbye, I'm going to give you your right to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think what's going to be really interesting for the US is this is going to be the first real test of mentality for this specific edition of the team, right? And that has been kind of a defining thing about the U.S. national team since its inception, right? Where if they get challenged, they are able to not just respond, but then kind of go above and beyond. And so I think teams have lost the fear of the U.S. women's national team, especially after the Olympics performance. And so this is maybe a test to reestablish that, you know, here I am saying, Vlaco saying X, Y, Z, right? And they come in if they make a statement. Like that's the thing that I'm kind of watching of, can they not just get a win, but can they do it in a fashion that maybe creates that distance between them and other teams again? Mm-hmm. You know it's going to be a draw. Don't it? It's going to be a nil-nil draw. It's going to be a nil. It is. It, we've set. But you know what? If it's the most exciting nil-nil draw, I think we would all take it because then also we get to keep debating 
for another yeah. year. So yeah. No, we want goals, win. Meg. We want goals, Meg. We're <laughs> Wembley. Come on. 4-4. Four, 4-4. Four. Four, four. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, we didn't go in the middle there, did we? We went from nil-nil to 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> Thank you very much, Meg. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Meg Linehan there joining us at Safe Travels for her coming over for that game on Friday. A quick note as well, we've got two more fixtures to look forward to if you're a big Lionesses fan. Uh, they've been announced they're going to play Japan and Norway in November in Spain. So get your tickets or book your flights if you can go out to support them for that one. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. As we mentioned last week at this match on Friday, the FA are going to be celebrating 50 years of the England women's senior team. More than 100 former Lionesses have been invited. They'll also be honouring the England team who played in the first official international match in 1972. I love stuff like this. It makes my heart warm. Uh, They beat Scotland 3-2 if you weren't alive for that one. They'll finally be given official caps for for that win 50 years on. And earlier, I spoke to Jeannie Allott, who scored in that very first international. Jeannie, it's an absolute delight to speak to you. And I want to begin with that ban. You know, we go back 50 years, everyone talks about this ban, but it was so real for you because you were playing football. How did it affect you at the time? Well, I'll tell you, I was eight years old. I'll never forget. I was called in by the headmaster and he said, sorry, Jeannie, but you're not allowed to play with boys anymore at football. Well, eight years old. I I just can't tell you how how, how I felt. It was was absolutely one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. You know, I was back on the netball course watching the lads playing football and it was just terrible. But don't get me wrong, I wasn't the only one who was banned. There was lots of girls who were banned at that age and I'm thinking, who the excuse my French, decided by the yeah. FA to ban me when I'm eight years old. You know, you, girls and boys of that age should be on, on the fields. They should be playing sport, get them off the streets, and they banned me. I think I've still got the effects of that, being eight years old, to tell you the truth. I bet you have. I bet you've still got a fire in your belly about it. I mean, I've got a fire in in my belly on your behalf as well. I mean, the fact as well that it's taken so long for you to get this official England cap from 1972, Oof. but you are going to be at Wembley for this USA game where you will be given that finally. I just wonder though, going back to it, at eight years old, it takes some resilience, doesn't it, to go back to football eventually? Because I try and think about when I was at primary school and I think if people told me I couldn't do anything, I probably would have just gone in a different direction. But somehow you got back to football. How did that happen? I think it was because in those days, not much traffic on the road. I was constantly, every day after school, playing on the streets, playing football. You know what I mean? And that slowly brought me back. And maybe the FA thought, oh, wait a minute, we might have made a mistake banning all these young girls. And then the ban was lifted. Now, to tell you the truth, I can't remember how long I was banned for. Maybe it was a couple of years but I still think about it, you know, today, 50 years later, I still think about that. And I'm thinking, which, and I'm, I'm going to say it, which idiot at the FA banned those young girls playing football? I just, I, I just don't think it was it. one though, was it, Jeannie? I think the, the problem is it was probably plural. Um, oh, and we'll, course, we'll allow course, you that. We're, you can call them whatever you want, because I can't even begin to know how how annoyed you must feel about that decision. I also think about the time that you were playing in, where I think whether you were a boy or a girl back then, you know, if you wanted to play football, there wasn't the transport that there is nowadays, there wasn't the support network, there wasn't the money either behind, you know, in terms of grants and different bits and pieces people can reach out for nowadays. If you've got talent, there is a way usually. But back then, tell us what that looked like for you. I've heard that you were hitchhiking to games. (laughs) Come on, fill in the gaps for me. (laughs) Right. Well, I uh, I started to play Foden's Ladies in Sandbach. I think I was about 10 or 11. And unfortunately, broken family, so we had absolutely no money. Uh, the trainer kindly bought me a pair of football boots. But I had to get to Sandbach. Now, we're only talking about seven miles or something, but no money for a bus or anything. So every Sunday... I was walking to the to the motorway and thumbing a lift. I used to get a milk cart. Oh, I used to how get dangerous. Lorries. 
But once I got in a Rolls Royce, I'll never forget that. That was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And I'll still remember it today that the driver of this, Mercedes, uh, this uh, Rolls Royce, he only took me a mile up the road. He said, you know, if you were my daughter, I'd smack your ass." Never forget that. And my, ans- my answer was, listen, if you were my father, I wouldn't need to thumb a lift to Sandbach. And that was the <laughs> There's the answer for you right there. But, Nate, it was everything. When I, when I got uh, chosen for England, you know, the trainings were in London. I couldn't afford a train ticket, so I was thumbing it down to London and thumbing it back and sometimes couldn't get a lift. And the only option was to sleep on, uh, I think it was King's Cross Station, I'm not sure, or Euston Station. I slept tonight there at 15. So wow. they're the things that you don't forget. But I've, like I said, I've had a great youth. I've had, you know, I've met so many people. So it puts those bad things a little bit to the side, but you don't forget it. But don't get me wrong, I'm not the only one who went through this. Because like you said, there was no money in those days. There was girls football wasn't even heard of. It was a man's world, boy's world, whatever you want to call it. And slowly, slowly we're getting there. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. It's only because the England team with Serena are doing absolutely fantastic. They're number one. But if those results start to fall, you watch and see what happens to girls' football. It'll drop, I'll tell you. And that's unfortunate. What can you remember? I, I, I won't forget what you've just said there, but what can you remember from that 1972 match, which is the one that you were getting recognised for? It was the first official international you're playing for England, you're 15, 16 years old at the time, and you score a goal. Yeah, well, to tell you the truth, I was proud as punch, of course, blindly. Everybody, I come from crew, you used to go shopping. Oh, she, she plays for England, you know, you felt absolutely fantastic. You said I scored a goal, I can't remember. And all the other girls from the 1972 team have also said that I scored a goal. My nephew sent me a small video, it was about 15 seconds of me scoring a goal, I'll tell you the truth, I just cannot remember scoring. Why? Well, I can't remember it because, you know, it, it's football's a team sport. And, okay, I was, I think I was left outside left. I was there to either give crosses or to make goals. And I did. I made crosses. I made goals. So it didn't bother me whether I was, you know, in my first international match, my 10th international. I didn't care as long as I won. And I didn't care who scored the goal. It's just that the girls reminded me that I scored that goal, which is fantastic, being 15 and scoring a goal. But it's a team sport. I'm there to make goals. I mean, you don't hear of a left-back playing absolutely fantastic. You only hear, oh, Jeannie Ellett scored the goal. But, you know, Mm. it's a team sport. So we have to think about that left-back and that right-back who never get a mention in the paper. Did you recall the fact that you didn't get honoured, you didn't get a cap when you could see that, on the men's side, that that did happen. Did that ever resonate with you or was it sometime no. afterwards? It was sometime after. It never crossed my mind. I think it's because, you know, I'm playing for England, fantastic, and pff, get a cap, so what? But as years go on and you get older and wiser and you follow the football and you see what the men get and, you, and then think, yeah, where is my cap? I mean, it was the first international match. It's one that should never be forgotten because I believe that team ladies football on the scoreboard do you feel you were forgotten course course 50 years don't i mean 50 years we've been waiting for this cap surely we've been forgotten like i said it's only because england are playing fantastic at the moment that it's coming up i don't believe we would have ever received this cap if uh, england hadn't done so well You've told me about a story before we started this whereby you shared an afternoon did you go to the cinema with sir bobby charlton I certainly did. He uh, sent the school where I went to an invitation that Bobby Charlton would like to take me and my mum to their pictures to watch the film Billy. Now, being eight years old, of course, I fell asleep because it was a late it was a late showing. Woke up, he gave me a signed football and a big box of chocolates, and he was absolutely so nice talking about girls' football and how he was for it and everything. I'm just his biggest fan, his biggest wow. fan. Why did you end up going out to the Netherlands? Because you'd played a lot of football in England and we know that there was certainly a period of time with a lot of the players that I've covered and spoken to who went out to the States, but you went to the Netherlands. Yeah, I think it's because I knew a lot of girls. Uh, I played against them when I was playing for Foden's 
and they were telling me, you know, what 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 happens to the teams in Holland, and you, everybody gets picked up. You're brought to the match. You're brought home again. And what was I, 17 years old? I thought, oh, I've got nothing to lose. Why not? And I'll never forget. I walked through the front door and I said to my mum, right, I'm off to Holland. I'll see you. God knows when. And she went, I'll see you next week, love. And I've been here ever since, 43 years, I believe. Wow. So, but no, completely different. The the FA in, in Holland, it's a little bit different. Let's put it that way. You're not forgotten. We know that our current manager, Serena Wiegmann, is Dutch. Yeah. Yeah, you played, I played, a, you played alongside her, didn't you? Yeah, I was going to say you've got to you've got to ditch the dirt. What was she like as a player? And did you always see that she had this ability as a coach? I never thought Serena would go on the coaching side. Maybe because I was too busy with my own life. But Serena was a very good player, if I remember rightly. She was right half skills. I think the only thing that was against her was she's not very big, Serena. So, you know, corners and that sort of thing. I think she took all the corners because it was a waste of time, her getting in the box. But she was a very skillful player. Very quiet on the field. Very quiet. Well, you can see her now on the touchline. You know what I mean? She's really quiet. I mean, she says everything what she has to say before the match. She'll say everything what she has to say in, in, the, in the interval. And that's it. I mean, once them girls go on that field, there's nothing Serena can do. I feel like I'm going to ask you the impossible task now, Jeannie, of summing up what this feels like now coming full circle. Because how does it feel to be honoured, but not only to be honoured now and getting the cap, but you're going to be doing it at Wembley in a stadium where the last time the Lionesses were there, they were winning the Euros, what that's done for this country, for the game. And you're going to get to meet Serena Wiegmann again. I can't wait. I can't wait. I think this is absolutely fantastic. But that 1% of me is still saying this should have happened 50 years ago. It's something we girls will never forget. Well, I'm sure 99% of the Linuses will never forget what happened in 1972 and what's happening in 2022. But no, I think it's fantastic. I really do. And I'm going to meet Serena. I hope so anyway. Hope so. I mean, she's going to be with, busy with this match, of course. I mean, uh, may, maybe she'll show her face. We'll see, but I hope so. Actually, I would have liked her to give my, me my cap. But anyway, that's pushing it too far. Well, you don't know. May, maybe you'll get in the Legends Lounge a bit of one-on-one time, which would be fantastic for you all. Yeah. And do you know a lot of people that are going? I'm guessing a lot of your former teammates, there's going to be a bit of a reunion feel to this. Well, I know the names, but the faces and some of the girls have sent photos of, of themselves. Blimey. I think I just walked past them in the street, to tell you the truth. I mean, these girls who I'm going to see, they're all, they must be in the 70s. I'm 65 because I was the youngest. So I think we should all wear name badges or something because I don't think I'll be able to recognise anybody. Nobody. But it'll be a laugh and we can have a, yeah, we can have a good old chat. I can't wait. What is the thing that you're most proud of when you look back at your footballing career? I think it's in the early days, like I said, where I could have gone to Australia that I was appreciated in Australia. I was appreciated in India. I was appreciated when I was, uh, my photo was in in an American magazine. I'll tell you the truth, I've forgotten it, but it was one of the big magazines in America. So I think from eight to about 20-ish, they were the best years of, of my life, really. Like Bobby Charlton, I've, I've done refereed a match with Georgie Best. I sat next to Georgie Best. For somebody of, you know, 15 years old, it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I do want to revisit what you said earlier about the success. But I said this myself, actually, Jeannie, having not played nearly to any level. But I felt that we had to win something for, for something to change. And you said... Of If things tail off, I'm paraphrasing you now, but you said if things tail off, we'll go backwards. It'll go backwards again a little bit. As a nation, I mean, boy, have we stuck through the England men's team through thick and thin. You know, we've been there. They've still been centre stage. They've still been at the forefront. So should there be a dip, there is a part of me that's thinking, come on, we've we've been there for our senior men's side. We've got to do it for for the women's too. Yeah, but like I said, we're not there yet. It's still a man's world. Sorry to say, and maybe I come over a little bit negative, but don't forget, I've I've had this negative since I was eight years old. 
And yeah. it's still a bit of negative. I mean, I shouldn't be talking about it. But, it, you know, I've been waiting 50 years for this cap. I'm coming over to, to London for two days. It's costing me £500. You know what hotels are like in, in, in England. They cost a bomb. Travel expenses. I've got to eat. Um, it's costing me £500. And I'm thinking, Christ, if you'd have given... Sorry about that. If you'd have given this cap 50 years ago, you wouldn't have had to fork out any money for getting the girls over. You know mm. what I'm trying to say? Can you imagine if if uh, the England team were called up and they said, right, get your own talent and make your own way down to London? Mm. There'd be an uproar. But you're expecting these 12 lionesses to fork out. I mean, we're old age pensioners now when you think about it. I mean, I can't look in anybody else's wallet. And I'm, I'm not poor, don't get me wrong. But £500 is a lot of money just to come over. Are you paying for this yourself then? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. That's Ooh. what I'm trying to say. So it's still a man's world, believe you me. Oh, Jeannie, but I mean, I'm not sure. I, know, I, I, I don't want I'm not to sure that's to right. I'm not sure that people are aware of that. I'm glad that you've revealed that on the show because I, I think, you know, as my mum would say to me when I once won some work experience in London that I had to pay for for two weeks, what a prize. Yeah. yeah. What a prize. I mean, 50 years we've been waiting and then I've got to pay my own expenses mm. to come over to pick up this cap. It's not fair. But anyway, that's my opinion. It is the so, symbolism uh, though, Jeannie, and I'm glad that you're coming over. I'm glad that you get your moment, that you all get to enjoy it together and that the nation yeah. gets to enjoy you all for what you bought. Very finally, and try and keep it clean, if I gave you five minutes in the room with the man or men that came to that decision to ban football for the 50 years, what is it you would want to say? Because I imagine there's all sorts of routes that you want to go down. Is there a, well, you didn't stop us. Look at what what we went on to do. Is there a re-education? What, what is it that you want to do? I'd let them know how much they hurt me and all the other girls that were banned. Put themselves in my position. I mean, don't, didn't they have chick, you know, girls who wanted to play football? How would they feel their own kids if they said, sorry, you can't, we're going to ban you, eight years old? So I'd bring that over to them, what, what impact it had on me and on the other girls. For the rest, I don't think I'd bother. Water off a, du water off a duck's back. The pains, I've had the pain, I've still got it a little bit, but I'm not... Um, I'm not going back 50 years and I'm causing a row or anything like that. But I will I will say it to anybody, if I, if I get somebody in the room from the FA, I will let them know what, what, the, what they did to me and what effect it had on me. And they should be ashamed of what, what happened. Like I said, it's not one person, it was probably 10 members of the FA. Of course, and the turnover fair. of staff there now as well, Jeannie, in that time, you know, the, there's so many staff that have come and gone. This is a completely different set up now and it, it's it, yeah and it's people that are trying to correct issues of the past but unfortunately you know they happened and they're trying to apologize for other people's mistakes ultimately but yeah. the fact that you're there soak it in Brilliant. there'll be Brilliant. so much applause Jeannie honestly you you won't you won't ever forget it it will be worth every penny I'm sure it will I haven't drank for 20 years I'm gonna have a glass of champagne next Friday <laughs> A huge thank you to former Lioness Jeannie for speaking to us there ahead of being honoured at Wembley on Friday. Honestly, Bass, I've got to come to you for this one. Can you imagine not ever being recognised for playing for England? No, it, it seems in, unthinkable, unthinkable, doesn't it? Um, but, you know... I'm just glad that they finally are finally having their moment um, being recognised when there is going to be a sold out Wembley, when the TV coverage is going to be there, when, you know, it is such a shame that they haven't been recognised since. But I think now we concentrate on looking forward and growing the women's game. But also it's so important we take pauses like this and moments to look back, look back who's played a huge part and really learn and educate ourselves. That's all of us because I don't think we do that quite enough. But yeah, to do it at Wembley when the, the you know, the Lionesses are European champions to, and get everyone together, I think it'll be really special. It should have been done. It shouldn't have been left this long yet. We know that. I think there has been a lot of mistakes, but I think ho I hope this, you know, makes, a, makes up for it. Do you know some of these players? No, no, I've never met them. I don't, I I'm don't not know suggesting that you so. played in 1972, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but again, 
me growing up, I would never have known about these women because the the coverage wasn't there. The the written press, I didn't know my my role models, my old idols weren't women footballers growing up. But hope that's what's changed, isn't it? And that's what's so unique. But that's no mm. excuse not to go back and learn about those people that were that wore the shirt before us. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? Uh, Charlotte, are you going to be going to this one? I've seen you in the press box many times at Wembley. It's like your second hangout. <laughs> Yeah, I'll definitely be, be there. And looking forward to having uh, Meg uh, and Steph, our US colleagues, over as well. So that'd be really good. But I wanted to ask, Bas, like, have you, did you get a letter from the FA explaining the procedure and the ceremony and your numbers that you're going to get as well? Uh, no, no. So I am. I have been invited. Um, thankfully, they remembered me, <laughs> um, and I am going. And I can't wait. No, we've got we've we've got contacted on email. We've been invited. Um, there's like a legend um, a lioness legends lounge, so everyone gets to meet beforehand. So I know they've done something similar like that before. So everyone in one room, we're allowed to take one guest, um, and it is just brilliant. You know, when I started getting into the squad, there's people like Sammy Britton, Kaz Walker, you know, the Marianne mm-hmm. Spacey. Think you know players like that and you just get to reconnect and meet and then you get introduced to other players that just sometimes you don't have that accessibility to you know they're doing different jobs living all over the world so I can't wait and just just old teammates that club and country that you played with oh yeah I'm really excited will you promise me one thing when you are in that lounge of legends of lionesses promise me because I know what footballers are like you see people that you played with you end up chatting promise me you speak to someone you know nothing about Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll go and introduce myself and they'll be like, I don't know, someone's mom or so. And they'll be like, no, I never played. <laughs> so, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And well, whether it be one... that story or another story, we want yeah. you to report that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A funny one and a serious one. Yeah. Go on. Well, we can rely on you for that, I'm sure. Right. Away from England, this is a big week as well for Scotland and Wales. We've got to give them some time us to like Honestly, girls, we're like chattering, aren't we? They've got one last chance to qualify for the World Cup for the first time ever. Uh, In the playoffs, Scotland will need to beat Austria and the Republic of Ireland at Hampton Park, while Wales need to beat Bosnia and Herzegovina and Switzerland at Cardiff City Stadium. Uh, We asked Scotland and Arsenal's Jen Beattie how she's feeling about it all. Yeah, Jen, I think we're... Well, number one, sort of disappointed to fall outside the top three to kind of miss the first round. But I think at this point, we knew we were going to get anyone. Anyone was going to be difficult. So we kind of, we were looking forward to the draw to get Austria at the tough side. I think we all watched them at the Euros and, you know, such a solid team defensively. So we're definitely not thinking about Ireland yet. It's, it's very much we have to get past Austria and, and how we can achieve that and one of the interesting things about the draws is that the game comes quickly. You know, we meet up again in, in sort of three weeks, so it'll, it'll be a quick turnaround. So we need to just apply ourselves as much as much as we can in the best way going into that game. But it's great that the game's at Hamden again, so hopefully we'll get a good crowd and, yeah, get past Austria. Maybe your English teammates can give you some tips then because Austria at Old Trafford, very narrow victory for England, so they'll know what sort of operator they are. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, everyone knows that they are such a solid team defensively. Not not many teams score many goals against Austria. So that's something that we definitely need to think about how to break them down. And But look, yeah, I'll be getting advice for everyone and anyone as much as uh, how to win that game. So fingers crossed. That was Scotland's Jem Beattie ahead of the World Cup playoffs. Wow, we got there. We got through it. I felt like that whizzed by, guys, but it is all we've got time for for this week now on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Thank you to Laura. I called you Laura for the first time in the show. (laughs) Actually, the first time I think ever. Thank you, Bass. Thank you, Lindsay. (laughs) And thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Lindsay. And thank you as well to you at home for listening. Keep spreading the word like we asked you to always do and keep getting in touch as well. If there's anything that you hear in this show that you want to react to, we are all ears. Goodbye for now. The Athletic.